point is, the end result is the same. Duty calls. I have searched the world over before you. That is so cool. You guys all just have this really tight bond. Just call me the computer whisperer. He seemed so nice and normal. You don't want to come back to my place? That smell makes me nauseous. I thought it was going to be a slow night. It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Can we go now? Why do I have the feeling we're about to explode all over the place? Let's go! Nope. Hey! Didn't happen. We're it's, good. We're good. It's a Beer with Buffy miracle! <laughs> Welcome to Beer with Buffy, everybody. I'm Josh. And I'm Rex. And today we are reviewing Season 5, Episode 15, I Was Made to Love You. <laughs> I love you! <laughs> Baby, don't you know that you're my everything or something? No, I am not talking to you, Rex. I. You're supposed to accuse me of it, though. That's where the joke was. I suppose I'll have to take your word for that. <laughs> I mean, you are the resident funny man, right? That's how this works? That's what I'm putting on my resume, anyway. Okay. Hmm. Not sure it's really going to get me anywhere. So, uh, yeah. Here we are again. Here we are again. This episode of Beer with Buffy coming straight at you. From the UK, or so my IP address thinks, because <laughs> I forgot to change my uh, <laughs> VPN back before we uh, did some stuff here. Yeah. Funny story, guys. We uh, we heard a little bird told us that we have a bunch of iTunes reviews from the UK. Yeah. That we can't see. Yeah, because the, the iTunes, UK iTunes. iTunes is tricksy like that. Yep. Tricksy little bastards. Uh, we tried using VPN and incognito mode, couldn't view them, Not no, working. no access whatsoever, so no. uh, we would really appreciate it if one of our adoring UK fans, which we have a whole lot of them, actually. A, a few of them. <laughs> a good handful. Yeah, a good handful. Yeah, enough to um, jostle around a bit. If one enough of you... to give them a good tug. <laughs> enough to just roll them around in your mouth for a second. See how it feels. Just... Imagine it for a moment. Uh, that is highly inappropriate. Um, if one of you lovely, adoring UK fans would be willing to send us some screenshots of those reviews, we would love to read them on the air, uh, but we can't fucking see them. So Chess, please. That, that, that would be very appreciated. In the meantime, we have a whole list of doodle-doos. Fuck a doodle-doo! <laughs> Our list of executive doodle-doos are as follows. D. Scheringhausen, Taylor Jordan Guy, Club E. Seal. Clubby the Seal, you say? No, Club E. Seal. Well, I mean, it's... I'm still always going to call him Wiley the... No, I'm not going to call him Wiley the Coyote. Fuck. <laughs> My argument is moot. <laughs> Continue. Mr. Tabalicious, Sandra Craig, Jay Sommer, Christina, Catherine Parkinson, Karen Moon, Chris V. Mann... Pat likes turtles still. Excellent. Wait, did they change their name to still? Yes. <laughs> Pat, like, Pat likes turtles dot 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 still. You all are understanding <laughs> the assignment. This is amazing. Scarlet Choi, Janella Lindauer, bad at changing their name heaps. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Burgess, K. Fronome, Father DeFenestrato, Methuen DeBurr, Kelly MC, Jesse Rain, and Carrie, Carrie Phillips. Phillips. Thank you so much. Without all of you, this show literally is not possible. 
The ones that I said in tandem, by the way, I was just reading from memory. Yeah. Because you know what? Some of you have been Patreons of us for the long haul, and we've been doing this a while, and like, honestly, there's not a day that goes by that I don't look at that Patreon list and think, man, how did we con these people into giving us money? What a bunch of <laughs> parasitic heartworms. I think we need a trip to the vet. <laughs> But no, honestly, we love you all so much. Um, I've been I, just the last couple of days or so. I actually, because I I have these periods of time where life is too busy and I just forget to check numbers on shit. And the numbers on our podcast is downloads and uh, number of supporters and all that. And just kind of had a, a moment today where I was looking through it all and just fucking amazed that were you for clamped? I was for clamped. Jeez. I was for Clemp. Oh, jeez. <laughs> we just, we've been doing this for years now. Yeah, yeah, about four years. And it feels great. And, you know, i just been thinking a lot about it because you had said that uh, one of your favorite podcasts has gone off the air My now. favorite podcast, Booze and Brews, just quit on me. Yeah. The and, bastards. And, you know, I personally feel no end to this. You know, I they were on, they had done 314 episodes. What are we up to now? We're only at about, I, I just saw the number actually, 134. Really? Yeah. It feels like much more. <laughs> so they did nearly three times as many as we've done. And we will have done about that much by the time we're done with Buffy and Angel. Yeah. Yeah. That, feel, that feels right. Yeah. Like, I, we've been doing the more uh, laid back sort of release schedule and that, like, I'm, I'm been feeling great about it. Takes a bit of the pressure off. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. Um. Those guys, they didn't really give themselves a break. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. That's very important. Burnout is a real thing, guys. A very real thing. I'm pretty sure I made a huge ass of myself. They did a Zoom call final episode. <laughs> oh my God, you guys should go listen to it. I'm going to leave a link because then they posted it as their 315th episode, but ah. it was literally just a, a goodbye Zoom call, not right. really a proper episode. Right. So I'm on it. <laughs> and I I do still highly recommend this podcast, Booze and Brews. Uh, just like us, they're a B&B podcast about beer and some paranormal shit. Ours is just a TV show. Theirs is random stories that they find on the internet. They're funny fucking people and they're smart fucking people. Um, go give them a listen. At least you know how many episodes there are when you get into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I caught up to them. In real time, and I was only there for a few months before they're like, yeah, we're done. <laughs> that, How about that? Bye. <laughs> <laughs> At least it wasn't something with a narrative. Like, you ever get into a show, like, you, you're like, oh... Look at this sh random show on Netflix that I've never heard about, but it looks really good. And you're like into it and everything. And you're like, oh, this is really good. And then you realize that it's been canceled. Yeah. But like, it's been canceled for a while. So you're like... I should have never started this. Yeah. Or what the fuck have I done to myself? How about a completely brand new fucking show that gets canceled immediately because Netflix is filled with a bunch of fucking asshats. Yeah. Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> Cowboy. Cowboy Bebop. I mean, that that's a whole that's a whole thing. I am. I don't even so want to get. In, I don't even want to get too much so into that. So fucking subject. livid about that. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I don't even care if it sucked. You fucking started something. You finish it. In fact, I want you to make it suck more. <laughs> Take all the things that everybody hated and just amplify that. I'd have still watched it. Fuck them. Yeah. 
I it drives me mad anytime you get a show. It's like okay, they have a limited budget for shows and whatnot, but have less shows. <laughs> You like, mean episodes? No, like or less shows. Like sure. they they oh, greenlight yeah. they Netflix greenlights something like three four times the average number of shows than any other fucking streaming service. Yeah, they, then fucking Disney they greenlight more shows than Disney does well, for Disney Plus. They're starting to slow down, I think, because they've been running into so many roadblocks. Yeah, and they get these shows where they they're like, oh, this isn't a fucking immediate goddamn hit in the first two days that we we released the damn thing yeah oh time to time to trash it and you know a lot of the fucking streaming services you know amazon prime and uh disney plus have started doing where they release weekly episodes for shows and not all in one big chunk and when that first started happening i was like oh fuck this but you know what it's brilliant and the thing I don't like I most it. about Netflix now is that they just always release their shows in one big fucking chunk. I, yeah. I don't like binging, but I can't fucking stop myself. See, I get full after two or three episodes tops. I have I have way too much ADHD and I fixate way too hard. And then next thing I know, it's five in the morning and I've watched the entire series. I'm not going to say that I have ADHD, but I strongly suspect that I do. And it's a very different version of yours because it takes me like two and a half hours to get through a 45 minute episode, even when I'm not taking notes because I I pause it. I get up and get a drink. I sit back down and then I pause it five minutes later and I go to the bathroom or I'll play on my phone or I'll go get something out of the fridge or I'll play with the cats and I come back and I slowly watch this fucking episode. Yeah, my my hyperfixation or hyperfocus uh, symptom is powerful. So much so that Adderall barely fucking helps it. Yeah, well, um, it, it I miss hyperfocusing because <laughs> I used to hyperfocus on video games and video game design, and I just haven't really been into that for a while. I think the last thing I hyperfocused on was Elite Dangerous because yeah, I fucking took a trip to Beagle Point and back. <laughs> Anybody who's ever played Elite Dangerous still might not even know if you're just a fucking casual (laughs) that that takes a lot of fucking time and stamina. Yeah. Anyway, we are way way off off track. Way off track. That's okay. You know, it was going to be a really short opening if we hadn't (laughs) gotten a little off track. (laughs) Okay. I think it is time for a mom synopsis. What? That's crazy talk. No, I don't think it's crazy at all. I think it's quite on schedule. Excellent. Joshua! (laughs) What are you doing, Joshua? Just trying to have some alone time. You know, still reeling from too many torrid breakup scenarios. Do you mind? Oh, I mind, Joshua. I mind that you're not out here listening to my scandalous dating sexcapades. So should I vomit before I listen? (laughs) Or during? (laughs) Oh, Joshua. Why not both? Why not? (laughs) Well, we don't have a carpet cleaner yet. I'll just be in the bathroom. Go ahead and talk through the door since I know you're going to anyway. (laughs) Oh, I fucking hate that. So there we were at the... (laughs) (laughs) Drive-thru. I ordered the fish tacos. And he ordered a milkshake. Oh, God. Oh God. <laughs> but they got our orders mixed up and they gave me a fish milkshake. Whoa, whoa, 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. That was when I decided it was naked, naked, naked time. Oh, oh, stop. God, I'm begging you, Mom, please stop. Oh, Joshua, how do you think you were born? I try really hard never to throw. Oh, think about it. Did you think a stork brought you home, Joshua? I presumed there was bestiality involved somewhere, yes. No, I never. You fucked a doodle-doo, didn't you? You were never supposed to know, Joshua. Well, everything makes so much more sense now. So much more sense than Buffy, for instance, who continues to be depressed and waxes self-loathingly over her failures with men and then having to track down an obsessed, rejected robot girl designed to only love one man and force him to break up with her properly. And then Buffy has to do his dirty work and beat her into submission until her batteries die. <laughs> Meanwhile, Joyce has a super fun date. Buffy almost has a coffee date with Ben, but after the events of the episode, thinks better of it and accidentally tips off Glory to her relationship with Ben. And keeping on theme, we wrap up with Spike attempting to get over his obsession with Buffy by commissioning Warren to build him a Buffy bot that he's almost certainly going to have sex with. Oh, by the way, Joyce is dead now. The end! You, yeah. heard, you heard nothing. Opening sequence. Ladies, gentlemen, uh, we open on the Magic Box Gym. How about we call it the Magic Boxing Gym? It's ah! a gym, and it's ah! in the Magic Box. It's oh, the Magic Boxing Gym. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much. Good. You're, I'll continue You're with a it, bad then. person. <laughs> but you've made the right decision. <laughs> and Buffy and Giles are, are discussing the ridiculousness of Spike being into her. And she's kind of taking out some frustration on a punching bag of sorts. Quote of the day out of the fucking gate from Giles here as she's going on about like, what did I do to like cause this and whatnot? And his response is, that's ridiculous. You can't be responsible for what Spike thinks or feels. Oh, yeah. They're... And Buffy responds, well, aren't I responsible? I mean, something about me had to make him feel that right. Something that made him say, woof, that's the one for me. Not necessarily a quote of the day, but right. I but felt like... was relevant. And it's, they're definitely, you know, I was at first like, oh my God, what are they doing? Buffy, what are you doing? Oh, but it's pretty obvious later that they're setting this up to knock it down yeah exactly and i mean the whole giles says it right there like immediately out of the gate there's no fucking hemming and hawing from him immediately he's like no that's ridiculous that's a stupid idea yeah and you need don't think on that because it is not your fault you're not responsible for the feelings of other people yeah massive points to frankly Giles and Xander during the scene yeah. for being extremely supportive in all the right ways to Buffy. But yeah, we get a mo it's it's a funny moment as the camera turns and we realize that it's not a punching bag that she's punching. It's 
a Xander in a giant like sumo sumo padded costume. Yeah, yeah. Like, first, I have two questions. Uh huh. One, I'm very curious to how much force goes through that and that he was feeling. Yeah. Uh, but two, what benefit is there to having him in that thing? Entertainment. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but like he can't move, so it's not like he can fight back in any capacity. Um, so like. I think it's just, uh, it makes it slightly more realistic than hitting a post or, I mean, a, or a dummy. Have you ever actually, like, punched at a, a body bag, the, the big, tall punching bags? Uh, kind of, yeah. I mean, yeah. those move in a way that, like... I suppose. Like, they, because they have give, they're, they are designed to swing. Yeah. No, literally, this is just more fun. It's more fun this way. Like, no, the setup is, <laughs> the setup is fine, and I, like, I totally, like, I'm fine with it, but, like, the logic behind it is, uh... Odd. <laughs> uh, sketchy at best. But, sure. yeah, Xander's actually, like, excellent in this scene. Like, yeah, because uh, she keeps talking about how she tortures her partners, and it's it's all super painfully self-deprecating because she's basically gaslighting herself. Yeah. We've discussed it ad nauseum, how Riley specifically made things all about himself and blamed Buffy for not being attentive enough when, really, she was just taking care of herself, yeah. and he was a complete fucking tit. Yeah. Not that I have anything against tits. Love tits. Um, tits are amazing. Honestly, Xander's final point in this scene is exactly what needed to be said, where he's like, hey, you know, maybe the problem isn't so much you or you're being the slayer or anything like that. Maybe it's because you're trying to date on the Hellmouth. In the Hellmouth, yeah. On the Hellmouth, and in the Hellmouth, around the Hellmouth. Give it a lick. Like, also, this is the first time... It feels like this season that the fact that there is a Hellmouth has even been mentioned. Right? It's been a minute. And... Like, oh yeah, there is a Hellmouth. Like, ah. I get that the the entire arc of this season has nothing to do with the Hellmouth, but this made me realize that it hasn't really been a thing. And it feels a little bit like straying a little too far from their roots. Not necessarily. Uh, the uh, When you think about it, we're only a season and a half away from yeah. the series arc, which is very Hellmouth-centric. Yeah. So I think it's proper, if you think about it on a smaller scale, like think about a season-long scale, Yeah. when the big bad only pops up briefly in one episode in the middle of the season. That's kind of what this is. That's fair. For the Hellmouth arc. I guess my, my only thing- But on thing, a larger scale. I guess my only thing is, it made me realize that they haven't really done anything with the Hellmouth. It's kind of a waste if you think about it, because like you have this, this easy tool- you're on the Hellmouth, so why aren't your like monsters of the week being related to the Hellmouth? Well, I think they're trying capacity. to take a break from it because they overused it for a long time. Yeah, fair, fair, I suppose. But yeah, I get where you're coming from and what you're saying. I hear you. I hear you, bro. It's cool. It's all good, bro. Yeah, buddy. Can we move on now, pal? I'd love to. <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. Yeah. So we cut to uh, downtown Sunnydale. City streets where we see a lovely woman being dropped off. The guy is like, are you sure you want to be here? It's Sunnydale. And he's like talking like it's like a super bad area. And I guess if you know about all the demon activity, then sure. Yeah. But like, it looks like a fairly pleasant small town street, really. Yeah. No, it's like showing up in the city from Hot Fuzz. There's a bunch of people. (laughs) Like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's that's. That's also kind of accurate too, because Nothing like going it's, on here. it's a lie. <laughs> it's a complete lie. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, but now she's looking for her boyfriend and, and she's going to find him. Well, she doesn't say that specifically. He's just like, what are you looking for out here? And she's like, true love. Love. Twoove. And I'm like, well, you are in the right fucking town. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is on the market. And I think what she needs right now is a nice fluffy vagina. <laughs> I'm going to just leave that one there. <laughs> Opening credits. Because, you know, where's Faith when you need her? I'm leaving that one there, Josh. She needs a break from men. I'm leaving that one there. Opening credits. Fine. (laughs) 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 Oh, we're not doing that. Buffy's house. Yes, Buffy's house where Joyce is showing off her brand new dress for her brand new date. Yes. Some dude. Well, and this is hilarious. Don and Buffy are messing with her, seeing how many times they can get Joyce to spin around for them, which I thought, frankly, was fucking adorable. This whole this whole fucking scene is fantastic. It it's great, like loving family vibes. Yeah, absolutely loved it. Yeah, they knew exactly what they were fucking doing this whole oh, yeah. fucking episode. Oh yeah, building it up to a high point. Anyway, I'm not going to say it. Nope, nope. So Buffy wants to know how Joyce met this guy. And apparently uh, they met at Joyce's gallery where they bonded over not knowing anything about antique cameos. And you know what? I didn't know anything about antique cameos until I Googled it real quick. And now I happen to know, for those of you paying attention, that a cameo is basically a brooch. But it's got a carving or some kind of impression of a face on it made from semi-precious or stone materials. Nice. Yeah. I didn't actually know that. There you go. It's a cameo. Nice. It's a little oval thing with a face on it. Generally used as a necklace. It's jewelry. That's cool, though. Yeah. And there's a lot of old antique ones that are valuable. So, Joyce brings up a an important question, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, she mentions that Brian, her date, that's her, her date. Sure. Uh, Brian and her are going to go to dinner and a movie. And she asks the question of like, yeah, should we do dinner and a movie or a movie and dinner? And I actually want to pose this question to you because I have a strong opinion on this. I also have a strong opinion on this. Which do you prefer, the movie or the dinner first? Frankly, my opinion is no movie at all on a first date. Oh, God. Yeah, definitely. Movies should be third date at best. But if I had to choose, fucking absolutely dinner first. I'm opposite. Really? Yeah. So my position is movie first because movie has a strict start time. And the last thing you want to do is go to dinner and then have to cut off if the vibe is to continue talking and then to make the movie. Hmm. So if you go to the movie first, you get out of the movie and then, A, yeah, you can talk about the movie. That's an excellent way to have a conversation. But if the conversation gains momentum and you keep going and like the vibe is right, you can continue that conversation for the rest of the night. Okay, I'm inclined to agree, but my main concern with the movie first, like I every point you just made was absolutely valid and amazing. But if you go to the movie first, you're like a new person excited, want to talk to them. You can't fucking talk to them in a theater. You can, yeah. but you're going to be a huge dick doing it. And that's a gamble. 
are they going to be like, fuck other people, I'd rather talk to you and not care about getting kicked out or people hating us? Or are you just going to sit there and be polite? I guess it'd be fine if you're awkward and not able to think of good conversation starters at first, right. and then you're not pressured to. That could be a good yeah. thing. So it could go either way there. Because so, t- it really you're... depends on who I'm interacting with for right. me. And what kind of a mood I'm in. I think for younger individuals, um, movies are perfectly good for first dates. Um, Maybe. If you just don't know how to interact with the opposite sex or the same sex, if that's what you're into, whatever. But also, but like, it could go horribly wrong really quickly if you're feeling like, oh, movie, I'm supposed to put my arm around them or hold right, their yeah. hand. or And 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 this this is vastly important. And th- this is vastly important to anytime you choose any sort of moviegoers. There are two major types of moviegoers. There are the ones who will talk to each other during a movie. And then there's the ones who don't want anything. A complete silence during the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm somebody who I will, like, be quippy. Like, uh, you yeah, know, see, I don't mind being quippy. Like, I don't want to... It Obviously, depends, though. You should never have a conversation during the movie. But, like... Uh, perfect example. Every uh, five to ten minutes leaning over and making a comment. That's fine. A perfect example is uh, in Return of the King when Sauron dies okay. or the tower collapses. Sure. Um, That's the third one, right? Yes. Uh, it's the last one. And when the, when the tower collapses and the, the big flaming eye is like screaming and, and dying, I How leaned over to my brother and said, for dry... Red eyes, <laughs> clear eyes is awesome. <laughs> oh, we need to pitch that. <laughs> that could still be a thing. And like that was it. <laughs> also, that I was don't... a spot on impression. Really, of that fucking guy. I nice. can't think of his name. Uh, Ben Ben Stein. Yeah, Ben Stein. Fuck Who's that guy. Who's an asshole. He's a huge asshole. <laughs> Fuck that. But he's guy. also rich, so obviously he's an yeah. asshole. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, like it was. It was a prime, like, holy shit, I did a funny sort of moment because that doesn't happen. <laughs> I for made me very a often. funny. <laughs> but, like, I, don't, I literally can't remember. I literally cannot remember anything about that day. But I remember that. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, anyway. Cool story, bro. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so. Uh, Joyce is asking a little bit of date advice so to keep it on track yeah, and here. She's nervous. Yeah, she's, she's nervous. a little bit nervous. And then Buffy grabs that cue and kind of takes a moment to make it a little about herself. Sprinkle a little bit of what is me when Joyce is asking just for some minor dating advice. And uh, Joyce totally takes the bait and goes, oh, Buffy, no. I mean, to be no. fair. To you be just fair. had some bad luck, Buffy. Come on. To be fair, though. Buffy's response is, oh, no, no, no. God, do not ask me. I've had two boyfriends and they both left town. Yeah. <laughs> like she she has a very valid point that she is not the person to ask for dating advice. And especially not right now, considering the depressive slump that she is in about it. Yeah. But Joyce being the loving mother that she is, and I, I will say that about her we've talked a lot of shit 
about Joyce. Yeah. But we can never claim that she wasn't that she didn't have the best at heart. Like she she has had a lot of missteps at being a parent and but it's very obvious that a lot of that was just not knowing what to do with extraordinary circumstances. Sure. But still trying to do everything she could to be there for her daughters that she loves. And like at the very least in the end she loves her daughters and she is that like that is vastly important. What end Rex? She Oh, I, no end. She lives she's forever. Fine. She's going to be <clears throat> I can't wait to see how she is with her grandchildren. And I'm sure this whole thing with Brian is going to pan yeah. out to be something amazing. It very well could. I don't remember. <laughs> uh is there they're going to reboot this and they're going to pick up right where they left off. Or they, shit, they 20 years later <laughs> when Buffy's daughter becomes the new Slayer through some sort of fuckery <laughs> supernatural maybe they find a spell to transfer the slayer power you know because she's like fuck i'm 70 and still the slayer <laughs> anyway moving on uh, well she wouldn't be 70 yeah she'd be like 50 maybe 45 how old is sarah michelle geller probably about 45 god damn it i can i need to google this now <laughs> Okay, so first, she was 19 during the first season of Buffy. And in the first season of Buffy... The character or Sarah the, Michelle Gellar? Sarah Michelle Gellar was... 19. Really? So that means she was, she's three years older than Buffy. So the actress is three years older than the character. Okay. Yeah. Because Buffy starts off at 16. Yes. So, oh, she's 45. How? So, damn. If they they had continued the show to now, Buffy would be 42. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Good guess. Go me. Yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah. All right. Uh, so anyway, it's a, it's a wonderful, lovely scene. Cut to a sidewalk uh, that I believe is on campus. Yeah, it looked like it was on campus. I love this. This is, I think, the first scene where it's just Tara and Anya together. Hmm. This is the only one I can think of where it's just these two. I mean, my memory's not what it used to be, so I'll, I'll go with that. I, I don't recall any off the top of my head. Sure. Well, like, first off... It's it's a twofold thing. Yeah. One, it showcases that they have some connection outside of just their partners being friends. Yeah. Which is cool because they're, you know, they're actually friends by looking at this conversation and listening to how they talk to each other. They actually are friends. Yeah. They definitely formed some sort of rapport. Yeah. And then on top of that, it actually shows character growth for both characters because... Both characters have always, since they showed up on the show, struggled with making connections with people. Oh, I thought you were going to say jealousy, but yeah. But, you know, Tara has always struggled because she's always been super shy and not like putting herself out there. And Anya has always struggled because, you know, she was a demon for thousands of years. So like, which is a pretty good allegory just for her being super neurodivergent. 
Oh yeah. I mean, like you look at you look at this character from the lens of modern television and it's unquestionable that she reads as autistic. Yeah. So uh, I had a quote of the day here. So Tara and Anya are walking and they're talking about computers of all things. They bring up how Anya made a website about the magic box and used Giles's money on the stock market and tripled it. No, she used the money she got from her job and tripled. Oh, she her used money. her own yeah. money. Okay, I didn't make that distinction. She tripled her <laughs> like her pay. Shit, she's fucking around with Giles's money. At least she made money. Mm-hmm. That's good. Okay. Anyway, so uh, Tara says, "You know, Willow's good at all that computer stuff, but me not so much. Do you really understand all that?" Anya says, "Oh well." At first, it was confusing. Just the idea of computers was like, whoa, I'm 1,100 years old. I had trouble adjusting to the idea of Lutherans. <laughs> I thought that was funny. So, yeah. yeah, kind of sort of quote of the day there. I like that Tara mentions that she's not really a fan of the Internet. Ever, Nobody can spell there. It doesn't get better, Tara. I It doesn't get better. <laughs> hardcore identified with that. I was like, yeah. that is one of my least favorite things about the Internet also. Yeah. Yay. So now... April comes up to them, you know, the uh, which is the girl from the opening who gets yeah. out of the cab. And we're, we're a couple of scenes away from actually learning her name, but her name's April. It's April. She walks up to them and asks, where is Warren? And they're <laughs> they, like, we, they don't know who Warren is. And she walks off and asks somebody on the bench, where's Warren? She walks five feet away yeah. and asks the next person in line. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, gee, that was strange. And they go back to talking about computers. Cut to a party. Party, yeah. party, 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 party. Not the bronze, but no, rather a party. Yeah, some some college place. That I could have sworn was filmed on the same set as the bronze, slightly modified, but whatever. I honestly, I had to watch the scene a second time once I saw in the transcript that I, it was not the bronze. I was like, what? That wasn't the I bronze? I didn't have enough time to go back and look, but I was thinking of checking. I It almost felt like the bar that Xander worked in briefly. Okay. I don't know if it was the same set, though. It seemed way too wide open to be a dorm or something. No, it it definitely wasn't a dorm, and it was definitely set up to be like a bar, Hmm. but it didn't feel familiar as the bronze. The bronze does not have a giant fucking wood-framed window, for fuck's sake. Yeah. You know what? It honestly could have been like a fraternity house or something. Yeah, it's definitely somewhere on campus. Given the crowd and the the feel of the place, it feels like it's on campus. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, regardless of all that, irregardless even. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, I'm fairly certain Crystal River Sam wants to bash my face in even more than you do when I say that. So that's probably good that I don't want to do it more because, you know, I see you in person. Yeah. That would uh, that would not be fun. Maybe it'd be fun for a moment, <laughs> and then it would not. It would at least be interesting. Yes, <laughs> it certainly would at that. <laughs> no details necessary. <laughs> so Buffy dances with Xander and makes a passing inconsiderate comment that does not go unnoticed by Xander. Did you see the dude in the background who's wearing sunglasses? No. There's a dude in the background who's wearing, like old school like season one xander outfit and sunglasses huh. okay but like they're very much like the nine 90s like close to the face sunglasses almost like gas station sunglasses but they're all black okay and just it it cracked me up because like i knew guys 
back in the day who like would wear sunglasses literally all the time even at night biblically i presume no oh no that's weird why why would you assume that i don't know i went to bible study you didn't i mean yes but that that wasn't you didn't, you didn't study psalms together or anything no like huh no i don't even know you anymore Anyway, um, <laughs> that was just, you know, a weird thing of the late 90s is, like, people fucking wearing their sunglasses at all hours. It was fucking weird. Oh, yeah. There's a song about it. There is. I wear my sunglasses song, at night. What? I think it's an 80s song, though. Oh, well, it's fine. The 90s were basically the 80s. Just weirder. Yeah. And more cringy. Probably. I don't know about that. I just don't think we saw as much of the... Uh, Have you seen Eddie Murphy's stand-up? Yeah, that's a valid point. Anyway, (laughs) uh, Xander and Buffy are dancing, and we cut over to Anya, Tara, and Willow. And this gives me a quote of the day of Anya says, looking over at Xander and and Buffy, I let them do that. Dance together. That was me. (laughs) (laughs) I also thought it was funny how when they're dancing, Buffy's like... Dancing with you is way better than trying to hook up with some good-looking guy. <laughs> and I was like, you know, he kind of deserves it. That doesn't make it not a mean thing to say. I enjoyed it. That's that's yeah. my only point. And then, yeah, they're standing around talking about that. And uh, then Buffy, once she's done dancing with Xander, notices Ben across the room. And uh, boy, does she I... play this well. She's clever. Oh, yeah. She's damn clever because... She is Sokoe. Yes. She doesn't want to seem needy, I'm guessing, so that she so she doesn't want to like go up to him and be like, Hi, how you doing? So she puts herself in a position to be seen so that essentially she's gauging his interest in talking to her yeah. by being in sight and seeing if he initiates the conversation. and that's just fucking smart. Mm-hmm. You, like, know, you know what else is smart? Points. What? Finishing your words. <laughs> you like only half said the word conversation. It's all right. Everybody knows what you meant. It's fine. I'm Whatever. just a stickler for that kind of thing. It's fine. I'm... It's one of your charming idiosyncrasies. Um. So, yeah, Buffy does this interesting move with Ben. Honestly, it's it's very similar to when you go in for a kiss and you only go in... 90% and you make you let them you, you wait it. them yeah. come for the last 10% of the distance. Yeah. It's kind of like that only, you know, it's not a kiss, it's right. a yeah, social interaction. So, uh he makes what I thought was a, frankly a pretty decent joke here that just doesn't land on Buffy. And I laughed. <laughs> I laughed quite a bit. I didn't actually. catch it the first time around, so it it never <laughs> struck me as after after I caught it the second time, I'm like, oh, shit, that is funny. Fuck you for your fake laugh, Buffy. But she's she says to him, and again with the non-medical clothing. And he's like, well, actually, these are orthopedic pants. Hey-oh! He's like, man, that sounded so funny in my head because she's just deer in headlights. Oh, I, I, I think was she was just funny. nervous. Oh, yeah. But then it's kind of a callback to her self-deprecating conversation with Xander. This sounded very desperate to please a man so that he doesn't run away again. Oh, yeah. Because she's all fucked up over Riley's bullshit. And, uh... 
Anyways. She's she's struggling with the the self doubt that comes with this sort of circumstance where yes. you know she's taking on blame for her a failed relationship that really isn't necessarily all hers. Like a failed relationship takes two people. Absolutely, he's made her very self conscious. Yeah, and that's understandable. As as uh, Captain Picard has said, you can make no mistakes and fail. Yeah, that that's. That's life. That's Kobayashi Maru, motherfucker. That, uh, Kobayashi Maru was was Kirk. Yeah. And the point of the Kobayashi Maru is to oh, teach yeah. you that you can make no mistakes and, and fail. fail. Yeah. And the point of it was to see if they can accept that. Not what yeah. Kirk did, which was the most narcissistic thing you could possibly do, which was cheat at the test. Yes. Yeah. So he failed the Kobayashi Maru, and they were like, oh, Kirk, you're so amazing. Fuck Star Trek. I mean, I love Star Trek. I didn't mean fuck Star Trek. I meant fuck a doodle-doo. No. No. What's the name of the fucking force in Star Trek? Oh, (laughs) Not that kind of force. The Federation. The Federation. (laughs) Fuck the Federation. Starfleet. Fuck yeah. Starfleet. That's Starfle- all I was trying to say. Starfleet Federation. Yes. Fuck them right in their doodle doos. <laughs> all right. But in a bad way. Anyway, with Ben and uh, <laughs> Buffy here, she she is trying too hard. It's noticeable that she's trying too hard. But you know what? He's just really fucking into her. Oh, yeah. Like, he, he oh, is yeah. super into her. Oh, But not yeah. in a weird way. Like, he's, he's, like, wholesomely into her. Oh, my not not in that way either. Oh. Like he's wholesomely into her. Whole, oh. Wholesomely. Yeah. He's not wholesome. He's not whole all the way with wholesomely. with his whole no. wholesome piece like as in like in there. That, no, that <laughs> Why you got to take it to the sexy place, Rex? You're the one make- I didn't. <laughs> like, You're the one. Stop making it so You're dirty the one. then. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> crack a doodle doos. All right. <sighs> Christ on a cracker. What am I going to do with you, Josh? <laughs> you can't take me anywhere. Have you not <laughs> learned this yet? I I really have. And you took me on the internet. What <sighs> have you done? Why are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I'm not in your room. I'm in the hallway. The hallway doesn't belong to you. Mom, I could stand in the hallway, right? My friend Sharon's older brother knows a girl who died because she choked on her boyfriend's tongue. Anyway, after Ben looks really put off by her super fake laugh, Buffy really quickly changes subject and asks him to dance, and he reluctantly says, yes, but has to dump his drink first. And he's only reluctant because he thinks he's bad at dancing, not because he doesn't want to. So, right, right. Uh, well, it, he, despite the fact that he is obviously terrified to dance, he like his desire to dance with Buffy overcomes his terror. And you know what? I can relate to this. Yeah, I mean, mostly I was just confused that he has to dump his drink first. More like he has to go fix his mangina first. Ha! Because he's glory. Yeah, well, you know, it's 
Speaking That's of jokes funny. that didn't land, yeah, everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> I predicted that that joke wouldn't land, and I planned for it. By the way, <laughs> that was the point of that joke. It's not a good joke. It's really, and not. that's my favorite part about it. So it's the wrong kind of off color. But I don't think that it's transphobic because he kind of has a mangina. <laughs> we'll come back to that. The problem we'll is that, that the problem is that term. <laughs> is the it the problem? Is that term. is that a problematic term? It, it, it could be. Yeah. You know what? I kind of want a phone call about that. If that's a problematic term, I haven't heard it, but I'm not saying I don't believe you. It's a problematic term because the the simple truth of, like, there's absolutely 100% zero reason ever to talk about anyone's genitals, particularly trans individuals' genitals. And yet, trans individuals constantly have to have fucking conversations with people about their genitals. That's true. Yeah, and that's fair. And also, I'm mainly just referencing the old Greg skit. Right. So it's, it's just a matter like it, it can be problematic. Exactly. And uh, disclaimer: I want to apologize if I have offended any trans people or anybody that's not trans and is still offended by that. I mean no harm. Yeah, because at this point, I think uh, you and I have of the the majority of people that we hang out with, we literally only hang out with one other cis guy. Right. And the rest of the entire social circle that we live in is uh, trans, non-binary, and women. Yeah, just thought we'd throw that out there real quick. (laughs) And by the way, was it not highly inappropriate? I think so. Yeah. I I think so. That's your brand. That's our brand. That's Uh, that's that's my brand. brand. That's your brand. I will claim that for (laughs) the both of us. Uh, My brand is shaking my head solemnly at your highly inappropriateness. Perfect. (laughs) <laughs> we are strictly on brand yeah anyway from there we cut over to uh anya and xander who are having an appreciative conversation about the craftsmanship of checks mix indeed uh when the woman from earlier april comes into the party obviously looking for warren <laughs> hey that's the girl from the plot of the episode that this is about <laughs> whom i'd have no worldly reason to notice otherwise <laughs> weird thank you xander for noticing that I I got a quote here. Me too. Probably the same one. Um. Yeah. Probably the same one. Uh. Starting with Anya, when Xander's like, "Who's that?" Oh, that girl. She speaks with a strange evenness and selects her words a shade too precisely. Well, some of us like that kind of thing in a girl. Yeah. And you know what? It's a great little moment. It absolutely is. And I was. I'm a little annoyed they cut away precisely when they did, because after he says that to Anya, she turns to look at him. Honestly, it would have been the perfect moment for her, her to, like, give him a peck of a kiss or something like that. And sure. Th- to really, like, show a depth to their, their uh, relationship. Uh, but did you not notice that they do come back to it in a moment? They do, yeah. Because Willow joins them. Mm-hmm. Makes some mention of the checks mix. April passes through asking about Warren and then fucks off into looking for Warrenville again. And Will is like, there's something strange about her. She talks funny. Cueing Anya to circle right back around to that fun little moment where she says, some men find that appealing. And she does get to have that little moment with Xander. Um, It's just not quite right at the same time. I have a fun fact about this bit. Oh? Earlier in the scene, or in the scene when uh, April first encounters Anya and Tara... Yeah, I went to pause it, 
and I accidentally hit another button on my keyboard and I accidentally turned on the commentary track just as the hmm. sh- uh, showrunner in the commentary track was talking about the tr- the approach that they had with this where they have this female robot who's going to talk funny who kind of sounds a bit like Anya, Anya. who talks funny uh-huh. and like the struggle that they had when they were first planning this to kind of solve that problem and so to solve that problem, they specifically put planted a flag on it and said, hey, look, this is what this is. This needs to come up somewhere else in the episode. And it was brilliantly done, I thought. Yeah. Especially because they turned what could be an odd criticism for a character into an endearing factor and, you know, adds an extra little, like, layer to a relationship between two characters. And I thought that was fucking brilliant. Yeah. No, I did like how they did that. And that is nice to have that little uh, tidbit from the... I said tidbit. <laughs> from the commentary. You know, I've been meaning to start watching the the special features that are related to each given episode. And I've thought of doing that as well. Um, my biggest worry is I don't want the commentary that comes with the shows to color too much about what what we decide to to touch base on. Yeah. Uh, I like... I wonder how episode-specific it would be. Right. Like, to me, one of the appealing factors I have with wanting to do this project is the difference between the things that catch our eye versus the things that catch our fans' eyes. The interconnectedness between the two shows and the interconnected between my knowledge of having seen it seen the show a bit more than you have and a bit more recently than you have Mm -hmm. and you're almost coming in blind with you you haven't seen a relatively fresh eye on it even though i have seen it before which is a great position to be in right oh my god i keep running into people who want to talk to me about season six and i'm like shut (laughs) up Right? And I'm like, I'd try to be nice about it, but then three or four times they're like, so this episode in season six, where people, God, people keep trying to talk to me about the body. I'm like, mm. do not talk to me about the body. Right? We're literally just about to record that one. Shut your hole. Yeah. Like, I get, I get, it's an old show. We're not going to avoid spoilers. Yeah. Fine. But, like, it is profoundly difficult. We're not going to avoid spoilers right. while recording. Right. But I'm going to avoid spoilers outside of recording yeah. as much as possible. But we're, it is profoundly difficult to approach a project like this and keeping the right kind of headspace and then like people wanting to fucking discuss it outside of this. And like so many times where like people, friends and acquaintances and, and whatnot, fans i've interacted with online look to me like i'm some expert in buffy now first off and i'm like okay like maybe when we finish maybe (laughs) maybe when we finish but also like my memory doesn't work like that and i can't remember any of the episodes we've recorded yeah so like i only remember them marginally more than you just from editing them. yeah and so like uh, expert Expert feels strong, <laughs> uh, but we are making it a point to think about the episodes a lot more than yeah. a casual viewer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then, and like, we're going to have a lot more to say than somebody who binged the whole show. Right. Granted, honestly, binging the whole show does give you a more 
overarching perspective than you get from tearing it apart micro piece by micro yeah. piece like we are. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe we can do a few bonus episodes where we do go back and binge a season and Oof. just do an episode talking about the whole season. I don't know if I have it in me to do that. We'll talk about that in five years. <laughs> yeah, no shit. So, so anyway, Xander notes that April won't be lonely for long because she's hot. Yeah. Willow empathetically agrees, getting, uh, getting her into some minor trouble with Tara, whom I thought wasn't all that insecure. But, you know, it's a trope that all monogamous relationships I mean, are super insecure. I that's I guess that's kind on. of Tara's thing, yeah. isn't it? She's super in shy and insecure. I totally would. That totally reads right to me. But also, um, my first impression was that they're feeding into this trope that all monogamous relationships are super insecure and possessive. Just like that. So they have to do this to portray that... These two are in a relationship. Otherwise, the heteros won't get it. Right. That's kind of right. how this yeah. moment felt to me. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. You're, I don't think you're off base at all. And then... Um, in the background during all this, by the way, we do actually see Warren. Okay. And he is like, oh, shit. And he sees April. And then he goes and like gets his date and like escapes out the back door. Yeah. Um. And then, of course, April's going around asking everyone if they've seen Warren. And everyone's like, who the fuck is Warren? <laughs> yeah. And then Spike shows up, harasses Buffy a little. And uh, she's like, you need to get the fuck away from me. And he's about to not. And then thinks better of it. Yeah. Um. Here's a quote of the day that I'm mildly ashamed of finding entertaining. Spike says, thought I was going to leave town. It's a free country, free party. If you want me to leave, you can put your hands on my hot, tight little body and make me. I can see why you picked it. I almost did as well for, <laughs> for just a notable quote. Yeah. And I didn't for the probably the same reasons that you're like, eh, I don't know how I feel about that. Mm -hmm. But it is... Problematic quote of the day. Yeah. It, a, A, it's a well-written line. Mm -hmm. And B, it is an exceptionally well-delivered line. Yeah. It is, however, a fucking problem. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, also, the whole fucking character that is Spike right now is a fucking problem. Absolutely. Um, and Doesn't make him not entertaining. Exactly. But and he's like, a he, problem. He's also, obviously, in this instance, supposed to be a problem. Yes. Unlike Nice Guy Xander in the beginning of the show wasn't meant to be a problem. Yeah, we were supposed was. to feel bad for him. Yeah. And we were supposed to think that it was normal for Buffy to feel bad yeah. for him and go, oh, I'm so sorry that I couldn't be in a relationship with but you. Th this is a moment where it's like the characters reacting to Spike the same way that we as audiences should react to Spike. Absolutely. So uh, in the long run, not all that problematic. Right. It's okay to enjoy it. We promise. And uh, so Buffy tells him to fuck off. And when he gets there, you know what to do. And he does. And Kinda. He he fucks off a short distance. A short distance. Ben <laughs> shows up inquiring if Buffy intends for him to uh, stick to the rules of macho courting techniques. And, I and absolutely <laughs> loved this moment. Yeah, would you like great. me to get unnecessarily violent? Um, and she's like, no. And she's like, oh, good, because honestly, I don't want to. Which is a great sign of interest um, and a great sign that he's not one of those macho douchebags, yeah. but that he recognizes that... 
um, American dating culture implies that bullshit that he yeah. doesn't like. So all green flags. And this whole scene of interaction between Ben and Buffy, Spike is in the background fucking, you know, brooding from a distance, doing a, a pretty <laughs> decent angel impersonation. He takes up a position for some very nice... Very subtle and respectful leering from about 10 feet away. Leering, that's definitely what... Yeah. Yeah. He's like, all right, I'll go away. But I'm going to fucking stare at you from (laughs) right over here. (laughs) Um, And then this goes into a conversation of the day between between Ben and Buffy. Uh Just as Buffy's like, okay, how about that dance? Ben says, oh first and hands her a piece of paper she asks what it is and he says my phone number i was gonna try to subtly work it into the conversation but it didn't really pan out and i thought i should try and give it to you before you see me dance you know in case you want to get coffee and puffy replies with thank you um i i think you should know that i kind of have this bad history in which you know we get coffee and well it all ends with you leaving town and you just got here and everything and this is this is the fucking money right here ben replies apparently uh we'd be risking a tragic chain reaction but i really like coffee and i think coffee might be worth it and i'd like to get to know coffee better yeah wait Wait a second. Is this party taking place at the zoo? Quick, somebody call the zoo, because I think their awkward tortoise exhibit is missing its main attraction. (laughs) Two horny 21-year-olds. They're not turtles at all! (laughs) God damn it. He is a nurse. He is decidedly older than 21. Ugh. You're supposed to say, Josh, of course they're not turtles. Turtles aren't tortoises. Oh, I I missed that. Maybe next time. So, Jealous... I, I apologize. Yeah, you should be sorry. So, Jealous Spike <laughs> goes up to Ange- April. I almost said Angel. Jealous Spike goes up to April and gets all creeper up on her. She's like, I'm looking for my fella. Well, maybe you just found him. Really? Where? And he leans down and whispers in her ear, and suddenly she gets this disgusted look on her face picks him up by the fucking collar, and hucks him through the window. Excuse me. Defenestrates his ass. Defenestrato. We need you to call in and inform us just exactly what Spike (laughs) had happened to him here. Please. Because I forget the word. What what was it again? Defenestrate. Defenestrate. I'm not familiar with that word. Defenestrato, we need you to call in and school me. On this word that Defen- I can't seem to remember. Defenestration is yeeting through a window. <laughs> Yeet! Yeet! <laughs> that is... I'm so, <laughs> That is an excellent question. I'm so glad you asked me that. And the answer is... Yeet! <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes you gotta change it up, you know? No, that's excellent. <laughs> the, the sheer just bewilderment when Spike stands up and he's like, you threw me through a fucking window. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? The incredulity. (laughs) I was like, and you're surprised? (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay. 
have a good day. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> he wishes her boyfriend <laughs> condolences. <laughs> and uh, Buffy tries to approach April and also gets flung across the room by her as well because yeah. she says, excuse me. Hi. Um, Maybe you and I could talk, you know, because throwing Spike through a window. Well, that's really good. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, generally speaking, and in a very Commander Data way, April responds, uh, oh, after she pushes Buffy. Because that's that was all it took. And she's like, boom, bitch. Yeah. And meets her on the other side of the room moments later. And in a very Commander Data way, she says, if I hurt you just now, I am sorry. And I hope that your boyfriend will take good care of you. I could only see Brent Spiner yeah. in her I every can, expression. I can hear him delivering that fucking line. It was so <laughs> data. Yeah, solid. Yeah. Very solid. There's a great deal of myth about Dracula. Imagine the trick to defeating him lies in separating the fact from the fiction. What kind of an unholy creature advances cheap, tasteless statuary? April takes off. We cut to somewhere else where the Scoobies are discussing the situation. I believe they're in a student lounge. Yeah, that's what it looked like. Yeah, they they, um, they have that kind of infrastructure on campuses. You don't find places for people to randomly gather without spending money anywhere else. I, you know, but on I, on fucking campuses, they're everywhere. I fucking miss having places like this. Yeah, wouldn't that be fucking lovely? Ugh. And it's not like they didn't pay money. They're all paying tuition. Right. So, well, no. Only 3 of them are. Well, some of them are. <laughs> anyway, it's enough. The best part though, the best part is they're discussing the situation and Buffy's like, "You know, I almost think that maybe she's and everyone's like, "A robot?" Yeah, she's a robot. Definitely a robot. <laughs> yeah, de definitely. <laughs> and I, I just fucking love that they're like, like, oh, no, she's a robot. Definitely a robot. No question. Not even, uh, uh, what are, were you going to say something else? <laughs> Alien? No, she's a fucking robot. I'm so Stupid. happy that they didn't try to, like, make it a mystery or anything. Like, yeah. come on. They dealt with Ted. There was, Yeah, exactly. There was plenty more going on in this episode. They made absolutely the right decision. I enjoyed it. And, uh... Willow says that she can pull a list of all the Warrens in the area, specifically students. But I'm like, why not all Warrens? Why not? And uh, so is, is Warren really that like rare, rare of, a of a name? I can't imagine that it is. Um, but a, maybe I don't know. They think names go in waves. Maybe. Oh, you know what? I bet it in is generational waves. I bet what it is is because it like to me feels like a much more common name. I bet you it was more popular for naming children when this show aired. Yeah. Maybe. So like the, you know, the kids who grew up after this show aired, there's probably more Warrens than there were in the nineties. Very possibly. I don't know. I'm no name doctor. Right. Uh, <laughs> so they decide they'll start looking for him proper tomorrow after Willow pulls a list of names and uh, Buffy must adjourn to rescue Giles from watching Dawn. Yes. Cut to Buffy rescuing Giles from watching Dawn. Where a very shaken Giles reels <laughs> from the trauma of having listened to boy bands that are chosen for their dancing skills, specifically. I, 
and I, fe- I feel Giles's pain. I know. <laughs> and has eaten too much cookie dough and listened to a teenager talk about boys all night. So he it, does make a point of like, look, she's old enough. She, she doesn't need a babysitter. Absolutely. Also that. Um, but these are extenuating circumstances. Having Giles there is better than nobody. But also, if Glory shows up, also, also, Giles can't do anything. Then if they're Glory both shows just up. gonna yeah. die instead of yeah. just one of them. But granted, you know, <sighs> still, it, like I said, it's better to have Giles there than not. He's smart. Yeah, he doesn't have to be strong. He's smart. You know, it, the more I think about it, it's the same as having a security guard in a place. Kind because of. when when a when a business hires a security guard, they're not hiring someone to prevent crime at a place, and you know it is a deterrent to have security. But really, they're ha- they're hiring a paid witness. Sure, because the job description of being security is to observe and write down notes. And I literally have been in a position where I watched people steal shit out of a building and I just fucking took notes. I I hid in the fucking shadows and just took notes for when the police showed up, they got caught. I got paid to do a court appearance, which was kind of fun. Neat. I got paid for three hours for like a half hour fucking court appearance. Nice. Um, But it was like, yeah, the job description said just observe and report, and that's what I did, and it was... So, okay, yeah. I rescind my criticism of having Giles watch over over Don. Very nice. So, I honestly, I thought it made total sense that he's so upset about this evening, because if he ate that many carbs in the form of cookie dough, you know, <laughs> carbs give you anxiety. Um, we're finding more evidence of these days. Uh, Buffy briefs Giles very briefly on the issue of a robot throwing Spike through a window. <laughs> My favorite part though is she's like, "Oh, well, I would have I would trade you. You could have had to deal with this problem and like breaks it down." Actually, and then no. she's like, "No, I will never trade the memory of seeing Spike get thrown through a window for anything ever." Yeah. Definitely yeah. not. Good. That's good. I think that is the correct choice. And uh, she offers for Giles to hang around, and then Joyce comes home and is super excited about her date. <laughs> And uh, whatever Buffy was about to say changes quickly to, and listen to her mom talk about boys. And Giles is like, you know what? Bye. (laughs) Bye. Okay. And uh, (laughs) really fun scene here. Joyce jokes around with Buffy. Oh, my God. I love this. That she left her bra in the car. I've got the whole exchange here. So, yeah. Joyce says that uh, she forgot how fun dating is. And Buffy replies, I don't know. I was standing right here. I didn't see Prince Charming. I didn't even see a goodnight kiss. It all looked pretty tame to me. Joyce says, well, I suppose by your standards, it could seem pretty... Oh, dear. What? I left my bra in his car. Mother! I'm joking. (laughs) Good God, that's horrible. Don't do that. I left it in the restaurant. (laughs) No more! No more! No more! On the dessert cart. (laughs) I can't hear you. Oh, my God. Joyce, I've never loved you so much as I do right now in any other moment. This this is exceptionally well written, Mm -hmm. exceptionally delivered and acted. There is more fun in these couple of lines from these characters than we've had in like like the first season and a half, two seasons. Yeah. And they're doing it to stick it in and break it off yeah twist that knife yep they finally stopped using joyce as a device for some kind of 
conflict with Buffy. Yeah. And now they're using I, her for a different kind of conflict. I have I have lots to say about that. There will be lots to say about that. I have lots this. to say about that. So cut <sighs> so it's a really fun scene. We cut away and now we are outside in general residential Sunnydale. <laughs> Where April is going fucking door to door looking for Warren. In the middle of the fucking night. It is specifically three thirty AM at this moment. I mean it's a good thing that she's doing this in California, I guess, because it feels like she if she were doing it in a lot of other states, it's a good way to get shot. <laughs> right? <laughs> or kidnapped, sold into a slavery. Um, Luckily, she is a robot. And, you know, I think anyone would be very hard pressed to kidnap her. Yeah, she can take care of herself. Not really an issue. Um, and I love the cinematography on this. I feel like they either really knew what they were doing or they actually went out at three o'clock in the morning to film this because the way the wind was blowing. No, the lighting and everything felt like three o'clock in the morning. I do not think this was this was definitely not a soundstage. It did not feel like it, it. was so on point. Yeah. It felt like the middle of the night. It like this is unquestionably a monster of the week episode, but this is top fucking tier monster of the week episode it's well done it's right up there with ted something yeah. about these yeah. realistic robot characters realistic ish yeah. you know basically the dude that answers the door is like it's 3 30 in the morning and slams the door in her face and she's like okay thank you and then just walks to the next fucking house yeah it's a long night <laughs> she doesn't sleep apparently yeah apparently nothing else to do uh, doesn't take social cues very well <laughs> no no <laughs> she's like you know what fuck social cues those aren't important yeah she understands social cues she just doesn't care <laughs> that's right my, that's my new canon she is on a mission <laughs> uh then we go to the magic box yeah, magic box where giles is like you're certain she was a robot? Yes. Yes, everyone is certain she's a robot. Yeah, we're fa- we're fairly certain we're not going to make... Uh, we don't have time to make a fuss out of that. And Q quote of the day from Tara. Oh. Uh, after Giles is, like, questioning that she's a robot and Buffy's like, yes, Tara says, she practically had genuine molded plastic stamped on her ass. Yeah. And she gets a look from the group and she's just like, you know, just trying a little spicy talk. <laughs> but right there, right there is just think of it. Think of her character, Josh, and like the difference between when she first interacted with the Scoobies. Yeah, she's coming out of her shell. She's, like, oh, she's it's blossoming. Mwah, Positively it's blossoming. Fantastic. It's still awkward as fuck. But she's still awkward, but like she's not this meek, shy, quiet thing who's hides in the corner she's not scared to put herself out there exactly and she feels comfortable even when a joke kind of falls flat yeah even willow makes this face like "Eh, oh well hell even her response of like the joke fell flat like the just trying a little spicy talk like that's still funny too also it really well served the purpose of verifying that april was a robot yeah and gives us some good old-fashioned turtle terra i like turtle terra Turtle Terror is fun. Also, it's fun to say Turtle Terror. <laughs> um, so we get some extra, like, lay it on thick that Anya and Xander have a very secure relationship. They do. I took note of the same thing. 
Because um, uh, Xander also remarks how April is a fine-looking robot, and Warren must really know what he's doing. And Anya approves this message because she is secure in their relationship. It feels... I don't know if it's written purposely to be, like, a little kind of awkward and just, like, a little oversteer of, like, no, they really do have a secure relationship, despite Xander's bullshittery. Yeah. But, like, it also kind of feels like they doth protest too much sort of thing, you know? Eh, I don't get that feeling, but I can see where you're getting it from. Uh, personally, my, my impression was I thought I would never say it but Xander and Anya might be the healthiest relationship in the show, romantically. Yeah. Honestly, if I had to pick the healthiest relationship in the show, it's probably Buffy and Giles. Oh, the, <laughs> unquestionably. The healthiest platonic relationship. Unquestionably. Uh, absolutely. Well, they, they develop the deepest fucking connection and friendship. Like, they go, they go from mentor to student to you know, kind of father-daughter to, like, actual, like, just deep friendship. Yeah, definitely. So. Definitely. And we, uh, one of my favorite quotes of the day thus far here, Tara says, oh, do you have any books on robots? Charles says, oh, yes, dozens. There's an enormous amount of research we should do before. No, I'm lying. I haven't got squat. I'd just like to see Xander squirm. <laughs> I kind of want to give some props to uh, Nicholas Brendan here because the the laugh response he gives to Giles is so deeply genuine. Like, it, it's perfect delivery. Like, it felt like such a real laugh. He makes and, that like, same face again, though, where he's got the Joker mouth and it's kind of creepy, if you ask me. But whatever. It, it felt good. The, it, it was it a good moment. Good. It was a good moment. It was good Scooby banter. Yeah. Excellent Scooby it's, banter. It's pretty here. good. It's pretty good. Uh, Willow uh, then very quickly kind of finds Warren Warren Mears. He actually went to school with Mears, M E E R S. Yeah, uh, he actually went to school for a semester uh, with the Scoobies. Only one semester, yeah, apparently. Uh, um, Giles questions his motivations for making April Willow and Tara, especially Xander, cut mm -hmm. right through the bullshit here. Uh, Obviously, she's a sex robot. Sex robot. Xander provides some wonderful insight as to why one might desire such a thing. I love how just as a customer walks in, Xander's like, yeah, she's a sex robot. <laughs> Obviously, for fucking. Like, really loud, so the customer definitely overheard their conversation. I didn't notice that. <laughs> uh, did they make a thing out of that? Or no. That just no, happens. It just happens. In the background. It, like, That's funny. It, it's like... You you walk in on a conversation and you hear the punchline of a very dirty joke or something like that. Yeah. It's just, it was just some, some <laughs> and they background. said, take the banana out now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fun fact. I hate that in in movies and shows when <laughs> when they do when, fake punchlines. Yeah. When you, you don't actually know what the joke is. Oh, and it's just, like. Uh, well, the the joke is that there is no punch, there is no joke, right? And it's just a and stupid like, punchline. I get line. that, and I get it. I get exactly why you're doing it, but I just don't like it. Okay, like it. <laughs> well, you're a bad person. I mean, we knew that. Okay. Feel free to tell me if this next part gets a little too personal because I'm told I have drama issues, but I'm a part. So Tara decides 
that it is legitimately sad that someone couldn't uh, find a girlfriend in real life, so they had to make their own. Yeah, I feel like everybody's being real judgy about this. I'm like, no harm, no foul. It's a robot. So what? Right. Well, and like, so Xander, Xander goes a bit little heavy in the like, you know, guys and women like, hey, sex robot. And, yeah, and, he's. Uh, uh, but, but I really only just saw Joss Whedon talking in this moment. Yeah. But there you is, really need to separate I do, that from Xander. Yeah, I do really like the line that he replies with it after uh, Buffy and Willow and Anya are, like, giving him dirty looks and shit. He, he basically is just like, too many girls. I miss Oz. He'd get it. He wouldn't say anything, but he'd get it. <laughs> that is on point. And you know what? It, it gave me that little pang. I too miss Oz. Uh, yeah. There, there's some it would have been nice to have Oz longer than we did. Yeah. God. It... Oh, well, what are you going to do? Uh, cut to... Uh, Stock Seth Green. Slightly. It's, it's, I mean, that, what else can That is the only option, <laughs> and we are going to do that now. <laughs> um, this is not admissible in court, or I don't... Maybe you can't prove anything. Can't prove anything. <laughs> cut to slightly later. I guess, yeah. Where Buffy picks up the phone a few too many times... Well, and she, she's kind of reflecting on the like needs of relationships and loneliness and all that. And <laughs> so, yeah, then she calls Ben. Fuck off with your analysis. Um, <laughs> and we see Glory looking a bit okay. sweaty. You want to talk analysis? Then let's discuss this because Analyze this was this. fucking intentional. Ooh. Unquestionably intentional because Very. we cut to Glory yeah. where A, she's sweaty, sweaty. breathing heavy, and the framing is cuts off the fact that she's even wearing a dress. And she's kind of got an O face yeah. going on. And like yeah. she's convulsing and, and writhing. They wanted us they wanted us dirty little doodle doos to go uh, that bitch having sex. Oh! That now she's, she's turning into she's a man. She's writing someone is what she's doing. That's, that's exactly it, the way it's framed. What it wanted, that's what they wanted it to look like. There's no fucking way that wasn't very intentional. Either that or we're very, very dirty doodle doos, but I, I don't mean, think yeah, so. We are that, but like also, there's no way that was wasn't intentional. You're, I completely, a hundred percent agree. But yeah, so the the phone rings. She turns into Ben. Ben answers the phone, um, and then agrees to go to coffee. Yeah. Um, and then zooms out, and he's standing in Gloria's dress. Yeah, she was just she just happened to be a little uh, sweaty and distressed. You know, probably just recently fed or needed to feed. Maybe wouldn't Ben need to feed also? I have no idea how that works. Like if Gloria's hungry for some brain food, is Ben hungry for brain food? I it does make me way more curious about that fucking setup. And I don't remember shit about it. Me so like, either. I'm really looking forward to learning more about yeah, that. Yeah. Definitely ditto. So, uh, yeah, he's like, sure. Yeah, just got home. Long night. <laughs> I'm definitely not riding a dude right now. <laughs> or a woman. I'm not riding anybody. Just wearing a dress in the middle of the living room. It's fine. I mean, I'm not wearing. I'm in scrubs. I'm I'm totally in scrubs. Scrubs, not I just a dress. Got home, I don't, just got I don't home. wear dresses. That's what my sister Glory does. I mean, I don't know who Glory is. <laughs> oh God, I ruined everything. This isn't going very well. <laughs> 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 
cut to Buffy. I'm sorry, Ben, what'd you say? As like someone's talking to her from off camera and she wasn't listening. (laughs) (laughs) I just got that. Oh, I think the joke's over though. Yes. Warren. uh, Yeah. Cut over to Warren's house. Yeah. where... Where he is frantically packing up to get the fuck out of Sunnydale. And he's being a dismissive, belittling little dickbag to his real girlfriend, Katrina. This is one of those moments where it's like, you fucker, if you would just communicate a fucking smidget and be like, hey, look, I believe that somebody is after me and we are in danger and we need to leave. Yeah, it's a lie, but it's still at least a little better than like, just fucking do what I want. Yes, I completely 8,000% agree with that. I'm not sure. To be fair is the correct way to preface this statement, but we're going to try it and see what happens. So to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, all you Letterkenny fans. Rex doesn't even like or watch Letterkenny. He just knows the reference. I just know the reference because I say to be fair and people fucking do that to me. They go to be fair. They also sing it sometimes. Uh, So anyway, to be fair. Katrina does not seem to be able to take a cue that something is urgently wrong and he doesn't want to talk about it right now. He's still completely wrong. Yeah. But boy, she's also bad at taking this cue and it's exacerbating things. He's still completely in the wrong, but their relationship probably wasn't going to last much longer no matter what the circumstances. Not a great relationship. Or (laughs) she's uh, also a little bit on the spectrum. Because uh, she's like, I don't see what the problem is. What? We're not going to say bye to your mom? Why are you in a panic and gathering things right now? And I don't know if it was poorly written or if it was intentionally written that way or if it was poorly acted or intentionally acted that way. I read it as very poorly written because it's a very one dimensional character. Yeah, also true. So there's there's a few ways that this can be interpreted. One way or another, Warren clearly vast majority in the wrong here. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, he goes, opens the door, and Buffy is standing there. Immediately is like, hey, we got to talk. And Warren knows who she is. Mm-hmm. And he's like, is it about her? Well, and She was kind of famous. Yeah. Even if he was only there one semester, yeah. you knew so- who Buffy summers was so like he it's about her isn't it and, and Buffy's like yeah it's about her and katrina's like about who what the fuck's going on fuck this i'm done and she fucks off yeah she just doesn't understand why he can't just tell buffy to leave and and all about this other girls and then and then warren just straight up tells her to shut up and she finally is like okay i'm done with your shit yeah and this was the first moment where i'm like okay katrina i'm now on board with you. It's like, yeah, he was not being forthcoming, but you also needed to stand up for yourself. Yeah. Uh, And now I'm like, okay, now you're finally doing the right thing. And she fucks off like she ought to have a while ago. Yeah. Which I really liked the fact that, like, he already knows who she is. He has an idea of what she is. They do a good job of cutting through the shit. Exactly. In this episode. One line they had in the magic box and then the way they handled this, I was grateful for it because, you know, we didn't see him at all in the previous uh, seasons that I had. That, I, not that, that I, I recall. Thought. It was all Jonathan. Um, but, like, 
it does it's a good shorthand to just be like you know what fuck it we don't need he might have been an extra somewhere right right he might have had a one-liner somewhere but as far as i know we've never seen him before so warren dramatically reveals the unspeakable (laughs) the unthinkable the weird april dun 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 is a robot well Uh fucking duh Uh uh-huh yeah (laughs) <laughs> talk about not listening like very very hard air quotes alpha male of him to like she's like yeah i know <laughs> and like he's not having it and he's like no no you don't understand no no i i do understand yeah it's like, very <laughs> obvious that he's extremely misogynist yeah. does not listen to women well he built a sex bot and this is why <laughs> he needed to build a sex bot um and then just realized he had more fun being misogynist with right. real women. <laughs> so, yay, Warren. What a fun character. Aren't yeah. we glad that we're to him now? Cutting back to the magic box, uh, where the Scoobies are heading, I guess, heading out of the magic box as Dawn is, like, mentioning Ted. And is like, is this, like, Ted? Or, or is, it a, is it a Ted robot? Yeah, and thank like, you no. very much for the obligatory canonical reference yeah. there. Thank you, Dawn. And yes, this is the second time we've encountered life like creepy robots in the Buffyverse. Good. Yes. Thank you. So Xander opens the door and is interrupted rudely by a flaming daytime spike. Yeah. Spike! You know, he doesn't deserve fanfare right now. No, he really does not. uh, Giles informs him he's not welcome. Well, ev- everyone is like, no, you know what? Fucking leave. And then Spike is like, well, I don't. I think Dawn wouldn't mind me here. And well, she's like, no, you know, fuck bit. you. Yeah, even Dawn <laughs> says, um, don't talk to me. And, like, he's immediately, like, trying to, oh, it's not what you think. And all that bullshit, trying to make excuses and everything. Fucking, as Spike tries to weasel his way around and basically call Buffy a fucking liar... Giles takes off his glasses, shoves him into a fucking cabinet. And and as he takes off his glasses, in doing so, becomes Ripper. Yes, and shoves him against the cabinet. Quote of the day here says, We are not your friends. We are not your way to Buffy. There is no way to Buffy. Picks up the blanket. Clear out of here. And Spike, this thing, get over it. I don't know what you mean. Yes, you do. Move the hell on. You could see the mo- there was that moment where Spike is like wants to argue, but he's like, "No, this this dude's gonna fuck me up." <laughs> Specifically on Spike's line, I don't know what you mean. James Marsters plays the fuck face so well. Oh, you can God. see it in his face. He's the kind of guy who lies to your face. And doesn't care that you know it, that he's lying, because he thinks he has the power over you anyway. The interaction, is like, this moment especially, between the, these two characters, and the writing here and everything, like, this, this is fucking amazingly well-acted, well-performed, every goddamn bit of it. Because, oh, yeah. like, there's no bit of either of these two actors that isn't exactly perfectly in character. Like, their body language, everything, is just, oh my god. It's glorious. Oh, it's fucking amazing. Zero pun intended. These are the moments like this that tell me that Anthony Stewart Head and James Marsters are phenomenal actors. Oh yeah, the two of them together, uh, like, one-on-one, they can make any scene good. 
Yeah. But when they're together, they can make a scene great. Yeah. And it, in that moment, I was like, oh, this is so neat because I know that Anthony Stewart Head gave James Marsters uh, accent coaching, but it doesn't mean that he's above him. James Marsters graduated from Juilliard at a relatively young age. Um, he's got his own fucking chops. These two motherfuckers have more chops than the rest of the cast combined. It's it's... so good. So, (sighs) and even as uh, Spike is leaving, you can tell he's the kind of guy who takes being told no as a challenge. Oh, yeah. You read it in his body language. Like, he he has several of these moments. This is not over. (laughs) Several of these moments in this episode... He goes to do his normal spike thing where he just fucks with you right there and then. And you see it in his face when he stops and thinks better of it and says, I'm going to live to fight another day. Yeah. And then he proves it at the end of the episode. We'll get back to that. And you're what? Shocked and disappointed? Unbelievable. You should know better. You should know better than the attempt of fate. The fates of the world. That was pathetic. You should know better. You should know better than the attempt of fate. The fates of the world. Fantastic day. Birds singing. Squirrels making lots of rotten little squirrels. Cut to a coffee shop. Yeah, the downtown coffee shop set where April's still looking for Warren. This is a stupid little scene that I don't really think needed to be in it. There's a few generic douchebags that are just toying with April. And honestly, yeah, they could have cut it out and saved us a minute because this episode does run a little long. Yeah, and it... All it does is just kind of hammer in more that obviously April has not stopped looking for Warren. And that she has uh, no perception of social yeah. cues. Because they send her off in some random direction and they're like, how do you know who Warren is? He's like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> right. uh, they're literally that kind of douchebags. Yeah. I met one of those kind of douchebags the other night. Bought me a couple shots and then immediately just starts trying to dig in and... Uh, find my weaknesses so he can fuck with me. And I was literally just sitting at the bar by myself, minding my own fucking business. I, it's fucking amazing. It's yeah. fucking amazing. I, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving along. Yeah. So we got, we go back to Warren's where Buffy and Warren are talking. They're talking about like why Warren built April and Buffy's like, Oh, I know exactly why you built her. <laughs> one of her quotes is because Warren's like, no, you don't understand. I built a, I built a girlfriend. And one of her quotes is, I'm sure she has many exciting labor saving attachments. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a good line. Yes, but yeah, he's trying to explain that he didn't he didn't build her as a sex bot. He built her to love him as a girlfriend. But and then it was too easy. Yeah. And he got bored and then he met Katrina and fell in love with her at an engineering seminar, yeah. which makes sense. I got to give him points. Credit where credit's due. That makes sense. Yeah. However, everything he did after that point is fucked up. Like, why wouldn't you turn April off? Right. You there had to be an off switch. He programmed her to feel pain when she didn't respond when he called, for fuck's sake. There's no way a dude like that doesn't give that girl an off switch. Seriously. It's like, oh, you know what? I'm done talking to you today, so click. Bit of an oversight. Uh, Buffy is very relatively judgy this whole time. 
And uh, as she should be, honestly, I like, guess I, her, I, I give her no. Her fault disgust here. is vaguely uh, warranted. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That one hurt a little that bit. That was worth it. Worth yeah, it. It hurt a little bit. Okay. Anyway, he's just waiting for her batteries to die yeah. instead of turning her off. But they haven't yet. So, uh, they, which they never address that fact. <laughs> which uh, I'm fine with them not addressing it, but I am still curious. I my assumption is that uh, he miscalculated the length of the battery time. Yeah. So, but he says they should have given out days ago and she must be recharging them somehow. We never find out. Yeah. Like you said. So anyway, bottom line, Buffy wants to know, is April dangerous? Warren says, well, she's only programmed to love. Yeah, she's dangerous. And though. Buffy says, well, that's that qualifies her as dangerous. Wise words from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. Cut to outside at like a park where April runs into Katrina and then like asks Katrina where Warren is and Katrina's like, you know what? Fuck you. Warren's my boyfriend. Why are all these women looking for my boyfriend? That's a problem. She's not wrong. Not really. And then April attacks her and like gives her a death-like bear hug. Yeah. She, you need to stop lying. Say that he's my boyfriend. And I'm like, oh dear. And then this uh, is a problem. Yeah. Cut to a little ways off where Warren and Buffy are walking outside uh don't forget uh just real quick um cliff note we saw spike in his lair real quick uh trashing his buffy shrine oh yeah, yeah, yeah. boo-hoo also boy that mannequin is really creepy with the wig on it yeah <laughs> anyway outside park buffy and warren yeah so they run into april and katrina april's like holding katrina up like six inches off the ground by her neck she looked dead to me yeah i was like oh my god I didn't think Warren looked nearly concerned enough either. Well, he's kind of I a, think that fits. I think he's a bit of a sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously they get April to set Katrina down. Good news, she's still alive. Hooray. Probably has some cracked or broken ribs at least. Very likely. They definitely they specifically played a cracking sound yeah. during the bear hug. Yeah. Um, um, April just really strikes me as a confused, sad dog this whole time. As she's holding I mean, that, this that body in front of, of her, she literally says, Please don't be angry, Warren. I'm trying very hard to make you happy. Warren, what should I do? I mean, dogs and cats do that kind of thing. They bring their kills to their masters or their alphas as they see them from a pack a standpoint, if you believe in that kind of science. But there's kind of some shit. Yeah, debunks it's mostly it. debunked. But you understand what I mean. It is still a thing that they will bring fo- uh, yeah. a kill as food to someone that they care about. Yes. And it feels very much like that. Look, I brought you this girl yeah. who claimed that she was your boy, that you were her boyfriend, but she was lying. I'm a good girlfriend. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Yeah. So, that, yeah, they get they get her to drop Katrina. Katrina's still alive. Uh, Buffy tells Warren to break up with her. Why yeah. not just like shut her down, whatever. And then Warren apparently can't break up with his robot. I, I thought this was impressive. Buffy's like, no, fuck that. You're not sending her back to the dorm room to pick up sweaters, you piece of shit. You fucking skeezy fuckbag. You're going to break up with her properly. If you designed her to be a girlfriend, yeah. you're going to do this right. Which might have worked if she weren't a robot. Right. With only one purpose that she's programmed for. This isn't Rick and Morty, after all. 
She's the opposite of the butter passing robot. <laughs> Made with one overly complex purpose that she can't fulfill as opposed to a mundane task that leaves her filling that leaves her unfulfilled as a sentient being. Yeah. She's not really a sentient being, it doesn't really seem. No, definitely She's not. She's just running a program in a body. Yeah. So anyway, a obviously Warren can't fucking do it because like he has no real backbone. Yeah, how are you supposed to explain to a robot that's programmed only to love you that you're breaking up with them? That's so cruel. His cop-out. It's a cruel fuckery of such humongous magnitude. Yeah. I can't even comprehend. So his his, his cop-out, which, you know, lucky for him he ran off because, like, the moment April was dealt with, this would have really, you know, fucked him over because he immediately is like... Uh, uh, I love her and points to Buffy. Yeah. Was he pointing? Was he trying to point at Buffy or was he trying to point at Katrina? No, I think he specifically pointed at Buffy because he wanted to run away. So he wanted April to fight Buffy. That makes more sense because boy, if he was trying to sell out Katrina to save his own hide, that'd be serious points for just skinning him alive right there. Also that like fits as well. (laughs) Uh, but uh, I thought it was a, a noteworthy that we see Warren's face from April's perspective, which is pseudo Terminator vision. Right. But it's more like Terminator meets Windows 3.0 because <laughs> there's this pixelated video and a bunch of folders and files. And I'm like, yeah, that's Windows 3.0. Yeah. All right. That's not bad. But uh, <laughs> so obviously April attacks Buffy. She kind of short circuits. Yeah. She she goes into combat mode. Yeah. <laughs> April attacks Buffy. Katrina actually wakes up, luckily, um, as this fight goes on. And she gets up. She actually realizes that April is a robot, realizes that Warren built her, and then immediately connects all the dots as to what everything is going on. And is like, you know what? You're gross. Fuck you. And leaves. I mean, she's pretty well tipped off by him going, I didn't build her just for sex. Oh, right. Yeah, I missed that. Which is funny because, honestly, I think people would have been more sympathetic if he had only built her for sex. Right, if he had built her for sex and then she became, like, this obsessed thing. Like, yeah. that, that would have been, like... Then she's a monster, um, but in this scenario, he's the monster. Yeah. It also kind of is like, hey, you brought that up. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i didn't just build her for sex well did you look at those files i looked at those files rex i didn't actually there were more sex related files than there were anything else. i didn't actually look at them yeah god damn i'm disappointed <laughs> in myself actually well they're in the transcripts uh oh i didn't i didn't continue reading the. Cr- allow transcript. me to read them to you real quick <laughs> we have kissing oh one kissing oh two listen sympathetic give him presents Sex 01, sex 02, sex 03, sex 04, praise, neck rubs, fetish 01, fetish 02, fetish 03, positions 01 through 6. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) According to the transcript, the list of positions continues off the bottom of the screen. <laughs> wow. Okay. Meanwhile, underneath, Warren and boyfriend appear in other identifiers. Really smart, handsome, best lover, snappy dresser, that. good dancer. So a lot of really just narcissistic, fucked up shit. Yeah. So uh, the, the fight here is pretty fucking basic, but 
eventually her batteries start to die. April's about to win the fight, actually, and then her battery dies. She can't crush Buffy's throat because her battery's too low. I think she they were in a fist lock, like Buffy. No, no, he April actually had Buffy's throat. Oh, by the throat. You're right. Yeah, yeah, I remember now. And she's like, can't crush. <laughs> oh no. You as, know. as April fades out, I think Buffy learns an important lesson that, as we mentioned earlier, was being set up to get knocked down. And here it is. She learns that the things she was saying earlier about not being a good enough girlfriend are not helpful because you can do everything right and still fail. Kobayashi Maru. And even if you fake it, you're just being disingenuous. Yeah. And then April has... Probably next to data, one of the it's it's up there, probably in the top five saddest robot deaths. I just realized in this moment, there's a lot of sad robot deaths. It Johnny Five. Uh, dude, dude, I so the line her her line, her line is it's getting dark. It's so it's so early to be getting dark. Yeah. And she's like fading out and like she's got what if he comes back to me yeah. and he can't find me in the dark buffy says i'm here i'll make sure he finds you this this hit a note with me man this hit a note because so as you know i'm a space nerd and there is the opportunity rover that it was on mars and the last data packet that they got from Mar- from the opportunity rover uh when they shut opportunity down on june 12th 2018 to go into hibernation because there was a a sandstorm which by the way opportunity rover was meant to be like a 90 92 day mission yeah it lasted for 15 years oh my god and the last data packet i remember this now the last data packet was poetically translated to my battery is low and it's getting dark. And the fucking reflection of that with April's lines of like, it's getting dark. It's so early to be getting dark. It hit me in the feels, man. Mm-hmm. And her final line, she fades out reciting some empty platitudes about lemons and clouds. You know, the ones yep. with her face uh, truly making me believe uh, that she was a robot running out of power. Her smile never going away, but yeah. facial movement limiting to just her jaw until she stops talking. She says, yes, and and things are always darkest before. I'm like, sunrise! God damn it, April, the last word is sunrise! <laughs> Fuck me, talk about blue balls. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was um, a kitty. She was very little, and she was all alone, and nobody wanted her. Did the kitty get chosen by some nice people? Well, now you ruined the ending. So, yeah, I, so I want to give some props to the, this, this actress here, uh, Shonda Farr. There's not, there's not a ton of, like, deep acting she does. You know, it's not a very depth-filled character but the physical acting she does especially in that last scene with the facial facial acting yeah it was a great robot phenomenal death. fucking like, phenomenal indeed her entire delivery honestly on par with data as far as like 
portraying an android. Yeah, like, I mean, we didn't have the build-up to care about the character near as much or the character development, but I believe that she could have achieved that had they given her the opportunity. Yeah, like, I mean, for the for the tiny bit that we get this character, hell, there, there was a little bit of weight to that death. Definitely. Yeah, no, there absolutely was. Mostly as an allegory to... Buffy's pain and her working through it. Honestly, it was kind of a an analogy for Buffy getting over her insecurities yeah. and healing over Riley. Honestly, with the the beginning of the episode, I really thought we were about to see Riley uh, again. And yeah. I was like, no, I don't think that happens. Yeah. But and I'm glad it didn't. But they gave us a lot of backstory about Riley to remind us like we for fucking forgot. <laughs> I think she did a great job as being a foil for this this storyline. And yeah. sure, it's a it's a bit character, you know, one shot character on on a as the monster of the week, but it fucking solid. Yeah, and I just looked up her filmography on IMDb as well. And uh unfortunately I I mean she had a decent career. She went from 1999 to 2011, so about 12 years of doing stuff. And I guess it's just not for some people because it looks like she only ever had bit parts. And uh, I want to say she she was better than that. She deserved she deserved bigger roles, but yeah. it just doesn't work out for everybody in the acting industry. Cut business. What are you gonna do? You know. Sorry to hear that, but she did a damn fucking good job here. Credit yeah. where credits due. One of the better monster of the weeks, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so from there, we cut to back wherever the bar was that uh, some defenestration had happened. Yeah, the house party or whatever it was. Where Xander's fixing the window. Uh, and, you know, they're having a conversation about the situation. But really, Xander's, you know, explaining the whole window thing to, yeah. to her. Yeah. And he's actually, you know, good at it. Oh, and, right. Like, he's... He's somehow become a useful fucking person. Yeah. Um, which, honestly, was kind of the B story of this scene. Uh, I felt like the main point of the scene was, uh, so Xander's fixing the window while Buffy has a moment realizing that she doesn't need to be uh, obsessing over being with someone. She needs to get comfortable being alone with Buffy, as she yeah. says. And Xander, again, gets good friend points for not sucking. Oh, and I feel obligated to note that we're again establishing that Xander is a skilled carpenter while he also provides heart, hard air quotes, yep. to his good friend Buffy, whom he used to want to fuck real bad and emotionally abused about it, which will never let him live down. No, nor should we. Yeah, I mean, no one's perfect, but that's a tarnish on your record, yep. son. So cut to a nearby payphone. Yeah, where... Buffy is calling Ben to cancel coffee because she's, you know, she's not ready to be dating. And yet her whole interaction with Ben in that scene did have this, like, I need to date. I want to date Ben just for the sake of dating someone. Not I that I fill a gap. I think Ben would be a great person to date if he weren't, you know, also glory. Entangled with yeah. a demon god. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but unfortunately. Speaking of, Glory is the one that hears this message first. Yeah. Because Ben is a dipshit and should not have given out the number that he shares with a demon god that is Buffy's mortal enemy, just saying. Oh, and Glory also assumes that this is somehow a plot against her. 
Yeah. I mean, when you're a big evil demon god, I think uh, it's probably safe to assume that anything is a plot against you. Side note, Glory's kind of sad that she got turned down by Buffy. Right? (laughs) (laughs) She turned us down? It's the first time we ever hear her refer to... We either hear Glory or Ben say us in regards to the other. And then from there, we cut to Warren's place... Where Warren is getting broken up with over the phone, as he should. Well, Spike pulls up to the drive-thru at Warren's Taqueria and orders a Buffy-flavored milkshake. (laughs) This milkshake does, in fact, bring all the boys to her yard. (laughs) Yeah, he commissions a Buffy bot. Hey, Buffy bot. We'll see where that goes. I don't remember that at all. I'm very curious to see where that goes. I vaguely recall that it happens. I don't remember what happens. Yeah, I don't don't remember shit. Gonna be interesting. And back at the Buffy mansion, Buffy Buffy returns home, sees that there are some flowers from Brian. And and Buffy finds Joyce's dead body, and we'll talk about that a month from now. Good night, yeah. everybody. I I do want to just mention the 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 last line is just Buffy going, "Mom, mom, mommy." Cut to black. It's too fucking much. I didn't want to go there, but it needed we to be said. We have to though. We ha- to oh my god! You, you know you got it. You nailed it. You nailed it. Thank you. Oh, my God. Also, I think they repeat that part next episode. I don't care. It needed to be said because, like, that is... Gerarg. Gerarg. Is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength. strength. Give, 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 give me more! Nights I shall walk in here. You've got something in your eye. Overwhelming. It's kind of overwhelming. It is, it is an overwhelming. I did not remember. <sighs> Ask me how I felt about this episode, Rex. How did you feel about this episode, Josh? For starters, I did not remember that they lead into the body. I didn't either. From the end of this episode, and I was not ready for I it. I wasn't either. Like... I knew that the body was the next episode. Yep. I knew it because... That's been hovering I, over us for months. But, oh my god. People won't shut up about it. They're like, oh my god, the body is the best <sighs> episode. I just... I knew this would be Joyce's last episode, but yep. I just didn't... wasn't prepared for it. It's gonna hit hard, and I'm trying to uh, avoid... The crying through the whole episode until we actually get to that fucking episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, okay. Let's... I want to, I want to talk about two major things here. Okay. How we felt about the Monster of the Week episode. Sure. But specifically how we felt about Joyce's last episode. Because she, she is technically in the next episode, but her character is not in the next yeah, episode. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, so... Obviously. It... it I felt great. I felt great about her last episode because they... Let's do the the Monster of the Week part first. Oh, sure. All right. uh, How'd you feel about the the A-plot Monster of the Week story? I don't want to talk about that first. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to get it out of the way because there's not... Like, 
there's not a whole hell of a lot that we can say that we haven't already said. All right. All right. I just um, want to get that out of the way. I thought it was well done. As far as Monsters of the Week go, they used it perfectly to be an allegory to something that was going on with Buffy, the main character, and it it was subtle enough that it didn't feel forced, yep. and it was obvious enough that it didn't feel like they were trying to get their heads up their ass about anything. Completely agree. I thought it was very well done. I completely agree. This was top tier Monster of the Week episode. Yes. It specifically tied in characterization that we needed. It had great character moments showing characterization of the the, the side characters. It had some great fucking character moments for everyone, honestly. Yeah. Like Tara, was, Anya, Willow, Xander. Yeah. And so, like, it was... Giles, it was, definitely. Yeah. It was top tier. Even Spike. Yeah. As a bad guy, great character moments. And, you know, this leads us into the second half of this. What, we get two scenes with Joyce? Yep. And they're fucking stellar. They are both fucking stellar. They are... You know what? My biggest gripe is also my favorite thing about how great these scenes were. My biggest gripe is they never gave us any of these really great, oh my God, I love Joyce moments ever before this. They, the so closest they ever got was band candy. They gave us small snippets, small little snippets, hints. But what I think happened here. The reason I think that th these moments in this episode work is because she had a very big scare in her life. And it's very obvious that the, what happened with this character is she had a big scare. She nearly died. And honestly, this Joyce that we see here is the one who had a near-death experience and is kind of realizing that like she needs to live life and she she's choosing to be more yeah and you know she's getting over all of her old exactly not really insecurities but hang-ups yeah and you know she's realizing that her daughters are are becoming adults yeah and she's realizing that she didn't a lot of her like controlling trying to like fix her children bullshit is not necessary yeah because they are intelligent capable women and like the character that we have in these two fucking scenes could you imagine what they could what they could have done if they just waited a little bit fucking longer to kill her yeah yeah but in that same line i'm hard pressed to say this is terrible because like it makes it hit so perfectly. They ended on such a high note. Yeah. It is a glorious moment of writing that is so rare in television or anything. They pulled it off. Yeah. And, you know, now the more that I think about it, the more it makes sense that it's better that we get to enjoy this character's almost rebirth transformation into who we always knew that she could be and who she always wanted to be yeah. and that's how we're gonna remember her yeah no it it fucking oh my god this is the kind of level of writing that this show is remembered for and this is the kind of writing that makes the show 
so so top tier in my book yeah and even with even with all its foibles and <laughs> nitpicky issues of you know not as woke as it ought to have been or as it was meant to have been and you know problematic showrunners and all that shit but like this is still why for fuck's sake we have fans of this pod it's this is why we make this podcast this is why we have fans of this podcast that like this show is something they watch on a yearly the basis. things they did right they hit it so fucking hard on the nail that it rang out 20 plus years in the future yeah that's and how we'll fucking well they to, did it and it's also my vote as to why if they ever do get the reboot off the ground that that is probably going to flop but <laughs> i just we'll see i am profoundly excited to watch the next episode of buffy and i'm kind of annoyed that it's gonna be <laughs> A handful of weeks before we actually get to it, because we have to do Angel. Yeah. We don't have to, but we're gonna. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're keeping to format. We're keeping to format. That's why I specifically said, and we'll cover that a month from now, that you will hear this a month from now when you hear it, and we will record this a month from now from when we're recording it. There's a week delay in between both of those things. Right. But that's neither here nor there. Um, Do you happen to have a quote of the day? Oh, probably. Well, my quote of the day, I think, needs to go to Ripper, where Ripper says, <laughs> We are not your friends. We are not your way to Buffy. There is no way to Buffy. Clear out of here and spike this thing. Get over it. I don't know what you mean. Yes, you do. Move the hell on. Because, oh boy, that was intense. Also, you totally wanted to read it. In yeah, the I did. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you for judging me. <laughs> no. That's the right call. <laughs> All right. That's totally the right call. Yeah. And, like, honestly, I, I wanted you to read it in the accent, but I also just, I felt the need to read it so much. I could that, tell. Like, I, so I, I couldn't didn't, resist. I didn't fight you. It's fine. Um, it's fine. I, I'm, I'm going to give my quote of the day to Tara uh, with her spicy talk. Uh, where she says she practically had genuine molded plastic stamped on her ass. Just trying a little spicy talk. Because like one one line and they show how much out of her shell she is and yeah. in her element. They're her friends. This is this is family now. And that just is great subtle character building. I love it. I love that char that subtle character building. Definitely. So yeah, this is uh, this has been another episode of Beer with Buffy. Don't forget to uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. If uh, you'd really like to help our podcast grow, one of the number one ways that you can do that is by giving us an iTunes review. Hey -oh. And if you give us a screenshot of you giving that iTunes review, we will send you a free sticker. We will also enter you into a contest to win a free hoodie once we reach our next tier marker for the number of reviews, which currently is 75. At the moment, we are at 57. Yeah. Oh, damn. That's coming quick. It's on its way. Yeah. And uh... also, real quick, if you are in the UK and you've written a review, if you look at your iTunes review list and you only see like five or six reviews on iTunes, you have the UK list if yeah. you're in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. 
please take a screenshot of that and send it to us because we've not seen them at all and we would love to. Yeah, and, uh, and message I, it to us or post it on Facebook. I would also like to point out, uh, uh, as I've gotten this question a couple of times from fans now, um, these stickers that we send out are vinyl stickers that are good for the car. Woo! So, you know, and that that's a that's an important place to put a sticker is your car. I like, agree. That's where all you know. I have a couple on my laptop, but most of mine are on my car. Cars need stickers. Yeah, that's that's important. Uh, I used to have an Aperture Science parking sticker and a Black Mesa parking sticker, and I don't know where they went, and I'm really upset about that. Well, I I have files that I made for you that. Oh yeah, still, yeah. We were gonna print those off, and we didn't. We're gonna yep. get back to that. If you would. You know, like to just purchase a sticker or hoodie or, you know, a whole plethora of things, I highly suggest that you go to beerwithbuffy.com slash shop and check out our merch store. If you would like to just support us financially, you can do that too with our Patreon, patreon.com slash beerwithbuffy, you know, and we'll read your name off at the beginning of every episode. And that's fun. Yeah. It's been getting a lot more fun recently, in yeah, fact. It has. And we will give you even more props if you, you know... Please fuck with us. Yes. With your name. <laughs> as as rough as it is sometimes for me to, to fucking get through that list. Uh, but if you would like to get in touch with us, either to send us your review that you made to uh, get your sticker, you can do that through our email, beerwithbuffy at gmail.com, or you can text or call our voicemail line, 269 269- Seven four three zero seven eight three. Uh, you can also always get in touch with us via direct message on Twitter or Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Love interacting with fans on there. And finally, as always, thank you so very much to JJ Treadway for opening closing music. This has been Beer with Buffy. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. And have a good night. Keanu Speed, Rex. We're going to be with you. We're going to need Keanu next episode, man. It's going to be rough. Be excellent to each other. Yes. Whoa. I make allowances for your years, but I expect a certain amount of responsibility, and instead of which you enslave yourself to this, this cult. You don't like the color? <laughs>